0: Just the canopy kind of go to rat-ta, kind of go the team on the
1: out, I kill it, watch out, I spit it on the mic, it. Y'all can't do what I do, just admit it, I'm about to get it, my name get it, drop it to the floor, shake my big bit, like did it? my face look pretty. Y'all shit, no, I not did it. I'm so bad
0: chick, the sick like oh.
1: have cracked open the, the rum sick, just sick, yet. Sick, just
0: no cocktails no, have been it- made with the barrel inside?
1: I mean the the drawing have really been eating into a lot of time. They've been eating into my reading time. They've been eating into my cocktail time. First of all, I haven't made anything and, and yeah, I certainly haven't been able to trot out the barreling tide yet, which is a shame, because they were the ones that got me going on all this thing.
0: Only so many hours in the day, Ryan. Only so many hours in the day.
1: <laughs> Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 315 of the matinee Cat. it's the movie loving website of the thematinee.ca your home for cinematic passion and perspective you know it was around 14 years ago this week that i started the show if ever i was unsure i can tell you with every new gray hair on my head it has been a long time it's long enough that over the course of this podcast people close to it have gone away but other people have arrived and become close to the show and of course by extension my life these people bring with them their own experiences, their own perspective, their own influence, and of course, their own taste when it comes to everything from film, to restaurants, to music, to life itself. And to that end, I am lucky that today's guest found her way into the podcast and likewise into my circle of friends. She's a contributing writer at Live for Film, also at In the Seats, and family around these parts. Hillary Butler is here. How are you, Hillary Butler?
0: I am living the dream.
1: I am, I, am. I almost <laughs> believed that
0: <laughs> then I didn't say it sarcastically enough. Um, <laughs> the world is burning, and uh, but uh, we're surviving, so I'm not gonna complain about one iota of a thing,
1: yeah, yeah, you know, like we we have to we have to take care of ourselves and we have to be thankful for what we have cause it can all change in a hot second. On episode 315, I'm really excited. We are going to be having a spoiler laden conversation about the Marvels. We're going to be flipping the record over to play the other side. But first, we need to learn more about Hillary, and I do mean more. This is Know Your Enemy. butler is a five-time guest she first appeared on episode 146 where we talked about room we learned the first movie she ever saw in a the theater was the magic flute the last mm-hmm. film she'd seen at the time was suffragette the worst film she's ever seen is passion directed by brian de palma her unseen classic are es- still true the, <laughs> the unseen classic or essential the silence of the lambs still and the, the film she wished she'd made still haven't <laughs> <laughs> jesus and the film she wished she made is the martian uh hillary returned on episode 184 we talked about wind river we learned the film that um, everybody else hates that she digs is cloud atlas The film everybody else digs that she does not is under the skin the last movie to make her cry was age of adeline and by the way i have totally come on board with that movie oh my gosh If, if i'm like you know, flipping around, and I find, I happen upon that movie. I'm not going anywhere for, like, at least 30 minutes.
0: I know, but I always turn it on when she's, like, grieving over her dogs. Like, just, uh, I can't. This is your bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> In
1: the movie of her life, she'd be played by Emma Stone, and the movie she was watching next was Personal Shopper. We took things a little bit out of order, and Hillary answered the round three questions on her fourth appearance, episode 280, where we talked about Cyrano. We learned the film that made her love of film turn a corner was Jurassic Park. Her first date movie with her um, partner was Zoolander. Her sick day movie is La La Land. The last movie to leave her speechless was Fresh. And her epitaph would be from Finding Nemo, Just Keep Swimming. Hillary answered the round four questions on her third appearance. We talked about, fittingly enough, Captain Marvel. We learned the film that she really digs but never wants to see again is The Hunt. The last film to genuinely freak her out was Edward Scissorhands. The movie that always makes her laugh is Austin Powers. Her favorite movie soundtrack is Garden State. And the movie she loves but seemingly nobody else has heard of, although I have, is Stella Maggie's The Weekend. So it is time for round five, and apparently these questions gave Miss Butler some... Deep, deep introspection.
0: You're, you're going to hate me on this one because I totally have pulled a bob and I'm very indecisive. Oh, good. can't wait. Um,
1: a, I'm, I'm really glad that he told you that it's okay to do this. So let's get going. Then. I'm going to skirt around um, some of these. <laughs> good to know. Um, Hillary Butler, when you go to the theater, where do you like to sit?
0: Because I'm spoiled, I often go to the VIP theater. When I do, I want to sit in row E, seat eight or nine specifically so i I do have a seat at the vip (laughs) but if i'm going to
1: wait a minute well no we're not skirting past this
0: it's kind of in the middle it's a few rows from the back and it's kind of in the middle and i don't mind being in the middle because at the vip you can get to the bathroom whenever you need to without disturbing anybody
1: you're a few feet away from your neighbor in every in every direction exactly
0: i can i can walk freely so
1: so What happens then if you're booking tickets for a VIP screening Mm. and row E seat eight or nine is taken? Are you just waiting until the next showing?
0: Uh, No. Or are you you slumming it? I will will slum it and sometimes move over a section (laughs) or move down a row, but E eight or nine is like, is my staple. But if I'm going to a regular theater and especially if I'm going by myself to see a movie, I will usually go like maybe four or five rows up from the entry and go like three or four seats in. My hope being that no one chooses a seat beside me. And then I can dump my stuff there. And uh, uh, yeah.
1: So, so you're, you're looking to stretch out. I'm
0: strategic. Yes.
1: Okay. You're you close-ish to the screen.
0: Clo- uh, well, I'm you know, like, I want to say four or five rows from like the – middle section right so like i'm i'm far enough back that i can see the whole thing because i don't want to be doing like a tennis ball like through the whole movie but i want to be able to leave to go to the bathroom if i want to and i want to be able to like typically not hang around after
1: so if anybody's ever reading hillary's reviews and it seems like she missed something (laughs) (laughs) We have learned why. Although, we listen, we need to give props. You made it all the way through uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. I did. I and did. not one trip to the loo in that entire four I hours. I did,
0: and I was seated far enough back that I mean, look, this is also theater dependent, right? Like if I'm going to be sitting like in this massive theater, I'm going to try and sit further back if I'm like in a smaller theater, closer up. So, gotcha. Absolutely.
1: All right. Apparently I I know that this one caused you some trouble because I was there while you were workshopping the answer. Hillary, if you could go on a date with any movie character, who do you choose?
0: Okay. I'm going to give an honorable mention to one person because I was like struggling with my like list, right? Like We all have like our little like, laminated list. That should be like one of your questions is who's your five like on your list, right? The Isabella Rosalini that thing from Friends.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um
0: but uh so I was like who can I put from my list? So I'm gonna honorable mention Cole from Ghosted, which was Chris Evans character, who was just kind of a you know, he he's being a farmer. He's like going to the farmers market, family guy, maybe a little needy though. So You know, kind of past the point of needing that. (laughs) So, so I'm going to stick with my Mark Darcy from Bridget Jones's diary because yeah, he might be a bit boring, but sometimes you just want the guy who's not afraid to wear the ugly reindeer jumper. And that's, he's established, he's a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, the reviews on his like kissing it are pretty good based on the last like scene of the movie. So.
1: It has been a hot minute since I watched that movie. So I, I'm surprised if we're going with Colin Firth Darcy's that hmm. we don't go with Mr. Darcy from Sense and Sensibility. How did you end up choosing Mark Darcy over Mr. Darcy?
0: Well, Mr. Darcy is it? a bit of a jerk.
1: <laughs> That's, <what he's> like. <laughs> That's true. Okay. I mean,
0: Mark seems like a pretty affable guy. He's just... Yeah. He's established. He's a lawyer. He's, uh, you know, doing some human rights things. He's like, you know, he's good for the world. He'll
1: he'll actually like fight. He'll actually like call a person outside and fight for you in the most, in the most absurd way possible.
0: Absolutely. Um, you know, so yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. Um, I never saw
1: the third one. Do they, do they fight again in the third
0: one? Oh, you know what? I've seen the first one way more than I've seen. I think I watched the third one once in the theater. I mean, I'm going to say yes, because that would make logical sense. But actually, no, I'm pretty sure that they did on the way to the hospital.
1: The co-proprietor of of the matinee cast uh, would definitely approve of all things Darcy and all things Firth. So you're you're definitely uh, playing to the crowd uh, on that one. So well done in that case. He's a sweetheart. He's... He's got prospects. I like, you know, I do, I, I like the jumper thing. I like that he is just not afraid, either just not afraid to be a dork or like not so self-aware mm-hmm. that he can't just be a dork.
0: Absolutely. And he'll like point out if you've like left the strings on your leaks in your soup. So like he'll still like call you out.
1: All right. Yeah, yeah. The, the soup was blue. It's <laughs> been a minute. It's been like several minutes since I watched that movie. As you can so. see, the okay. movie's
0: like ingrained in my brain. Which Clearly. Is- which is weird because I remember nothing about anything.
1: Gotcha. All yeah. right. Mr. Darcy. I like it. Or, or Sorry, Mark Darcy, not Mr. Darcy. Mr. Darcy was yeah. kind of a jerk. Mark yeah. Darcy. Got it. Yeah. Noted. Um, <laughs> another another question that caused you much distress. Hillary Butler, what is the dirtiest film you have ever seen?
0: <laughs> what's funny is- I can is see you I'll... blushing already. No, what's funny is like I went- back to listen to our friend Mike's episode with you. Cause I was like, I want to know how he interpreted this. And I was like, I have no idea what he's talking about, but I don't want to see either of the movies he's chosen. <laughs> um, That's so usually
1: the way that answer works.
0: I'll say that the, the dirtiest I've ever felt watching a movie was when I went to go see 50 shades of gray by myself in the theater. So if you don't <laughs> want to watch soft core porn with a hundred of your closest strangers. Um I don't recommend it. <laughs> That's a home viewing option. But I'm also going to I'm going to answer this as my 22-year-old self. Um okay. to be slightly more artistic and say at that time secretary absolutely floored me. Uh
1: secretary.
0: And I think that now we've seen like way more brash and, you know, dirty things, but at 22 That was like a very eye-opening film for me.
1: I'm going to put the poster for that movie in the show notes. And it's a really, (laughs) it's quite a, it's quite a poster. You know, it's, it's not what I'd call especially salacious. It's actually really, it's a really cool poster, but it tells you exactly what you're getting into. Mm -hmm. Um, That played Tiff the year that it, that year, the year that it dropped. In the grand scheme of what, trickles down to mainstream culture these days. I mean, certainly in in a world where 50 shades of gray trilogy mm-hmm. is a thing, um it's not so bad, really. No. But um yeah, 21 I'm years ago, myself, but yes. Yeah, no no. no. <laughs> well, I mean, 21 years ago when you've got this story about, you know, a um, a college grad who doesn't really know what to do with her life and she ends up like kind of stumbling her way into a job where she's also a submissive mm-hmm. um it, it, it's like that that's a that's a reach like it, it's like that got funded
0: that yeah. got
1: you know i mean james to like spader
0: mark. puts a saddle on her back and a carrot in her mouth at one stage like
1: yeah yeah she walks in <laughs> With her, like, the very first shot of the movie, she walks in with her arms in a spreader Mm -hmm. and a collar around her neck, like, just doing menial secretarial tasks. And you're like, what are we getting into?
0: Yes. And I will say, like, I actually enjoyed that movie. It was just more the shock value at that age where I was just like, I've never seen anything like this, and I feel weird watching it. Um, (laughs) Um,
1: It has been a long, long time since I saw a secretary. I do remember enjoying it, like... As a story, you know, I do remember, as I said, I do remember watching the movie and just being so, so perplexed, especially when we get to the last act actually gets kind of dark. It really gets twisted and not in like a, not in like a twisted kinky way, but it really gets twisted in terms of the Maggie Gyllenhaal's character just seems like she's kind of teetering into a very bad place. It's quite a tale. Uh, People have never seen it. It's good. Uh, that's, I mean, that's the thing too. Is that while it is a little bit extra, shall we say, um, uh-huh. it's still a good story. Like you're not just tuning into it to watch the dirty bits, but the 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 actual sexual dynamic of the story is is quite a lot.
0: Yeah, and I mean, this isn't like Maggie Gyllenhaal's. Like, it's what I knew her from. It's what made her mm-hmm. like a name for me. Yeah, um, yeah, same. You know, and, and James Spader's James Spader. So yeah,
1: yeah. of course. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, let's <laughs> Secretary, well done. Let's get out. Of, let's get away from that. Um, Hillary Butler, what is your favorite black and white film?
0: Again, I wanted to do an honorable mention sort of situation because I feel like we don't do. give we don't give enough credit to modern day black and white films. The black and white version of Logan to me is one of my favorite movies since we're going to be in a uh, superhero mode shortly. Okay, I love okay. that film, but. Okay. Favorite black and white film I had to dig back because I used to watch tons of Alfred Hitchcock movies and all the rest of it. But my favorite kind of old movie is probably Roman Holiday. Um,
1: uh, Roman which, Holiday.
0: I mean, it ha- yeah, it's delightful. It has everything you could possibly want in a film. Beautiful costumes, got Audrey Hepburn and Gregory Peck. It's got Rome. like It's like a little travel log for the day. Kind of just perfect.
1: It's just elegant.
0: Yes. You know, like every it. scene
1: sing- it's breezy, it's uncomplicated. Um, it is still it's still got a lot of nuance to it and a lot of um cleverness and a lot of sweetness to everything from, you know, like all of the bits that we know, like the the great big like food fight in the at the cafe mm-hmm. and the whole thing like in the in the catacombs where he like fakes losing his hand
0: That's and her, you know, the zipping. Yes. Yeah,
1: zip, zipping around, <laughs> on the, yeah, zip around on the yeah Vespa scooter. On the
0: Vespa. Uh, yeah, I've always wanted like, to I mean, be on a Vespa just because of that movie. Because of Roman Holiday. Of course. Yep.
1: Of course you do. Um, yeah, it's it's all just, it's all handled so well. You know, It's it's photographed so well. Even though, I mean, even though it's in black and white, it makes you want to go to Rome. Like, Rome mm-hmm. is a very, very vibrant and colorful city. But when you watch it rendered in black and white like this, and when you watch it, you know, so full of life. And yet at the same time, like so intimate for those two characters. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a perfect film.
0: I, I love I mean, I love Audrey Hepburn. I mean, there's just something about watching her through these kind of like innocent eyes, like discovering a world outside mm-hmm. of the royal worlds that she came from. That's pretty special.
1: Yeah, you you know, you've got those great expressions at the end when, you know, like reality sets back in and they do a lot of acting just like with their eyes and with their face. Um, Yeah, no, you know what? It's been far too long since I watched Roman Holiday. So thank you. You're reminding me that I got to get on that and I got to get that one in over the next few days. Um, Okay, Roman Holiday. And yeah, um, the black and white version of Logan. I've actually never seen it, but I can imagine it in my head because that film, I know that film is really stripped down like it's a really really threadbare type movie and i can imagine that story as like a black and white comic book story so Mm -hmm. i i will kind of i will make that one a priority last but not least for now uh hillary what is a film that nobody would expect you to like but you do (laughs) i was gonna say something
0: no well i mean (laughs) at home, um, <laughs> not at the theater. Um, I was gonna pick a horror movie because that would be unexpected of me. And there are a couple that I like, um, witch project. And I think we talked about Invisible Man the other day and I really like that movie. Um, but I'm gonna pick like a random film that I saw from Tiff a few years ago called New Order. Um, and it's a Mexican film um, directed by um, Mikel Franco. It's very much one of the most violent, brutal, unrelenting films I've ever seen. Um, But it had a lot to say about like classism and revolution from the poor to the rich. I found it very captivating, but it's still one of the most violent things I've ever seen in my life. And it starts off at the beginning where the violence kind of makes sense. And then it does become a little gratuitous towards the end. (laughs) Truthfully, It just does not stop. It starts off like at this uh, like high end kind of uh, birthday party sort of deal, and uh, these people come in and take a bunch of people hostage and like kill a bunch of people. And again, it's really like sort of violent. And it's basically about this revolution of the lower class to the upper class. And what but it is goes it goes on for a while.
1: <laughs> well, I was going to say, and like I don't usually, you're right. I don't usually associate you with more violent stories. So, what was it about this one that spoke to you?
0: I don't know. I think it was just that it was very bright and uh, I didn't really know what I was watching. I can't remember what the description of this movie was at TIFF, but clearly it was enough where I was like, oh, I really want to watch this. I think it was like, you know, leads to this dystopian like future kind of thing. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm into it. And so I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And then, you know, it's this rich person's party and it's all bright and kind of happy and all this violence breaks out. And it just kind of Really sucked me in. Clearly, this filmmaker had a lot to say (laughs) in his film, and I think he succeeded in saying it.
1: Um,
0: And I don't know, just that it just left me awestruck. And I just remember like this film distinctly. When it came out again, I was like, oh my gosh, like I never want to watch this movie again (laughs) because it (laughs) was so brutal. Um, But I remember like giving it quite a favorable.
1: Here. well you are leaving me very very curious about it so thank you for that um i am a big um fan of Mexican cinema you know you, you get your your Del Taros, your in your Quarons, your like films like the amazing catfish and tigers are not afraid there's a lot of great cinema out of that part of the world and i'm always interested in learning about more so thank you for that um i don't see it, it's it's one of these movies that's it's available for like digital rental all over the place but it's not streaming Mm -hmm. anywhere that i can see but that's okay i'm more than happy to um toss a movie like this five bucks a new order um thank you that that looks really really cool and yeah you're right i don't i don't equate you with um you know brutal stories or violent stories i'm usually the one who's got to be all right hell you know the first act of this is going to be a little rough but (laughs) once you get once you get into the cornfields everything turns out okay
0: I think this was like this was a pandemic watch too, right? So cause oh, it was active, I think, in 2020, and I just remember yeah. sitting on my couch, like, <laughs> like slack job, like with my hands on my face, but I'm like, oh my god, what am I watching? But then, like, I don't know, something just came out of it and also spoke to me. So
1: I can't wait to see it. Thank you so much for that. Um, well, there we go. That's more about Hillary. We'll learn even more when she comes back next time. We are going to get into the new slang, and again, I do know that we like—we usually like to keep things spoiler-free on this show, but once again, we've got a story where we've kind of got to talk about the whole thing, otherwise we're not going to have anything to talk about, so consider yourself warned. Um, This will be a spoiler-laden conversation, uh, but come on back right after this. It's the Marvels in the new slang on episode 315. (laughs) Into
0: the Latin,
1: The Marvels is directed by Nia DaCosta. It's written by DaCosta along with Megan McDonnell and Alicia Karasik. It stars Brie Lawson, Tayona Paris, Iman Velani. Zawi Ashton and Samuel L. Jackson. The Marvels brings together three heroes for the first time. Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, and Monica Rambeau, who never does get a cool nickname despite Kamala Khan's best efforts. (laughs) The heroes find their powers entangled after a zealot from one of Carol's home worlds rips a hole in space and time, and it affects the three heroes' light-based powers. The zealot, Darben, is looking to rebuild Hala, the planet that Carol managed to throw into chaos after the events of the last film. So it goes that the three heroes must form a new team. They must learn to untangle their abilities and try to stop Darben from destroying world after world and undoing space and time as we know it. The Marvels finds our heroes, as I mentioned, entangled. None of them can use their powers properly, lest they get yanked out of space and time and dropped somewhere else. It's an interesting metaphor, entangled, since it involves a mother figure, a daughter figure, a hero, and a fellow. These sorts of relationships can get messy. They often get tangled with things like expectations, remorse, responsibility, and more. Real life can get tangled up pretty quickly. So pop quiz hotshot. When it comes to the sorts of relationships like that of Carol, Monica, and Kamala, how does one untangle things?
0: I mean, I don't know that you have to. What I, I mean by that is like sometimes the only way out is through, right? Like maybe you're not untying the knot, so to speak. You're just kind of moving past it and recognizing that the knot is there and that's okay. None of these characters are perfect, right? Um, no, no. And we'll, and we'll certainly, I'm sure, delve into that <laughs> a little bit more. Um. Mm-hmm. You know we've we've got uh, Kamala who is like absolutely looking at Carol with some sort of god complex, um, and Carol who has a lot of her past that she hasn't figured out, and Monica who has a lot of animosity towards you know Carol, and, and they're all very you know messy. And do they fix all of that? No, but they learn to like work. Together and move past it. So I don't know that you have to untangle it. I think part of being a family and part of when that's what they kind of sort of end up being by the end of this movie is just recognizing the messy.
1: I think you're right when you say that the only way out is through. Um there is a really fun and just you know happy sequence um at the end of the first act where we watch them figuring okay you know we're stuck like this for a while we're basically a you know we're running a three-legged race for a little while we need to figure this out and it's this great happy bouncy sequence (laughs) set to the beastie boys where they are playing you know rock paper scissors and they're playing double dutch and they're you know like juggling and that kind of thing and they're learning to all be on the same page you say like the only way it is through it's like we're leaning into the tangle we're not going to try to untie the knot we just don't want it to get any tighter and we'll yeah. figure out a way through it
0: but um, if you pull on a knot that's how it goes right you try and yeah, run away from yeah. it so you gotta you gotta kind of as you say you gotta lean into it and that's that's what they do and i i loved that sequence so much so much yeah. in the film.
1: you and i saw it together it's another you know this has been a, a kind of a thing this year a few times i've been able to see the movie with my guests you and i saw it together so You certainly saw how excited I was going into this. We should probably declare right now that the odds of this being an objective review are pretty (laughs) slim to zero, but we will try to keep it real for you folks. You know, we're not going to tell you to go see something that we think that you're not going to like. We're not going to also shine things on just because this team happens to wear our colors. But um, what did you think of the Marvels after, you know, like four years of waiting for another story (laughs) on the big screen after meeting Kamala and Monica on television shows and finally mm-hmm. getting the women together what do you think of this movie
0: the Marvels is like definitely the most fun I've had in the theater this year and if I was gonna give it just fun stars it would mm-hmm. get all the hollow stars like <laughs> that I could give it it does have some shortcomings though and again sure, sure we're gonna get into those um, yeah. so it's definitely not a perfect film the first film is a Like Captain Marvel, I shouldn't say the first film because Captain Marvel is just one part of this. And by all means, Mm -hmm. I don't even think she shines as bright as (laughs) one other character in this film. But um, like the first Captain Marvel was like a good movie. It was Mm -hmm. like not just exciting because we like Carol Danvers, (laughs) it was a well done movie. This one, I think, falls a little bit short of that, but it kind of is a throwback to some of the old, like, very comedic, like, Marvel (laughs) films, like, from the beginning. It's nice that it kind of stands on its own two feet. It's not actually, you can watch this and not really worry about what's coming down the road. And they give you enough information. If you haven't watched the TV shows, I think you get enough in flashbacks that you'll understand who Ms. Marvel and Monica are. Um, without yeah. getting confused, which is nice um so I think they constructed that fairly well um, but it sure is fun and the chemistry between these three leads couldn't be better um and the amount of laughs, laughs that were in the theater were were pretty great. It was nice to see yeah. this in a full theater as well where everyone was definitely into it
1: yeah yeah i a lot of what you say i'm I'm very much on board with um you know people may or may not know where marvel comics are concerned this is my character um this this is um a hero that means a lot to me so you know when this when these movies get into theaters i show up and and i show up ready to love but i do know that characters i love can be presented in very very messy ways and i'm looking at you man of steel um you know <laughs> it's it's not the kind of thing where i say well i enjoy this character and I enjoy their lore and I enjoy their story. So I'm going to go and I'm going to champion this film to everybody who may or not like it again, not to wail on something that I thought was lesser, but that was my experience with green lantern. Um, Mm -hmm. Love the green lantern comic books. For me, it's a really, really uh, interesting and um, epic type of story you take a you know you take a story of basically space cops and i'm like this is so cool I'm, I'm just so interested in in what this this story is all about but they turn it into a movie and it was a bad one um can and i'm can not we gonna just
0: apologize to ryan reynolds for a second in case no, he to this podcast he, um i know he fine. knows that it's bad but i uh, yeah. love you ryan
1: yeah we do this is true yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I enjoyed the heck out of this movie. You know, I'd, I'd, wait, I'd waited four years um, for another Carol story. Um, I, you know, we, we went through all kinds of different types of Marvel stories. We went through some, we, we, we went through actually to a lot of very introspective places over the last four years. So I didn't know what we were going to be getting into, especially knowing that we would finally have to reckon with, um, Carol and Monica and, you know, by extension, Monica's mother, Maria, who is Carol's old co-pilot. Um, but yeah, I was not expecting this movie to just be a fun little romp. Like you said, mm-hmm. it doesn't get too bogged down in extending this universe. You don't have to have seen 25 other films to understand it. I mean, it helps, but sure. it's just, yeah, it's just at its core. It's just a breezy little, adventure of these three women coming together for the first time um, to work together and learning about each other and, oh, yeah, saving the universe while they're at it.
0: And it's only an hour and 45 minutes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can still make it to dinner afterwards if you want. (laughs) You can get home and relieve the sitter before midnight. You know, front and center of this movie, we have Brie uh, Larson. Um, It's her second full go as Captain Marvel. She had, you know, a little bit to do in end game as well. Um, what did you think of Brie this time around?
0: She's good. I mean, I, th- I don't know like that. She necessarily has a lot to expand on in this film because I don't necessarily think that she's the core of what, of this film. I think that they focus a lot more on Ms. Marvel. And I think that, uh, I think that Iman is, is actually the the one that shines brightest for me in this film. She had some good comedic timing in this film. Um, she got to uh, sing, which was mm-hmm. always uh, you know a delight. But she didn't She's, see that uh, coming. Nope, nope, did not see
1: that one
0: coming. <laughs> she is Captain Marvel to me. She will always be Captain Marvel to me. I don't think that they could have cast a different person. I can't picture a different person in that role, but uh, yeah, does she have a lot of extra you know, emotional expanse in this movie. I don't really know, but I don't know that she needed to. Um, see, I would
1: I would actually say that she does. A lot of what happens in this movie happens due to Carol's impulsiveness. Carol's kind of known for shooting first and asking questions later because she wants to help. Not necessarily because she doesn't think things through, but because she thinks with her heart instead of with her head. So a lot of what we're dealing with, a lot of trying to stop Darben and even a lot of Monica's angst is because Carol shot first and asked questions later. And on the one hand, um Brie gets to work with that. In the in the first film, there was a few moments between Bree and Shauna Lynch yeah. um you know there was a few mo- i mean i always come back to the scene where the two of them are talking in the in the back forty with the sun going down and she says you are carol danvers and you're the most powerful person i know and how that was the beating heart of that movie as much as much fun as it was to watch her flying through a spaceship <laughs> um this movie there's a few times over that we forget because we're so distracted with multiple flirtkin, which we'll get back to in a second. But there's a few moments in this movie where the weight of Carol's choices um, is all over her face and needs to be discussed. One, I, I really enjoyed that we got to do that. And the other thing I was really enjoying with Brie, like Brie does this really well, is Carol got to be goofy in this movie the first movie because she didn't really know who she was there was no playfulness and the other movies there just hasn't really been the other shows and appearances
0: a lot of playfulness back and forth with sam jackson but like not a lot of little bits like like,
1: you know yeah there's yeah no yeah exactly or just that kind of thing so that's the thing is i think this movie while iman steals the show and we'll get to her in a second there's actually a lot of underrated brie and carol in this movie She's not doing anything in the class of room, but she's doing more than she really got to do in the first movie. Because in the first movie, she really had to play blank, you know, like she had to play a person who's just been gaslit for for nine years or for seven years or whatever it's been. So this movie, she's really developed the personality over twenty five years and remembered who she is and is able to you know, to, to let that fly a little bit more.
0: Can I just ask like where her movie is (laughs) that they try to explain her entire like backstory of where she's been for the last, however, many, 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 many years Uh, in like 10 minutes of flashbacks. And uh, I want my Captain Marvel too, where uh, they actually go through (laughs) those motions. That would have been, that would have been. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that is one of the shortcomings of this, of not, This movie, for starters, but also the character on the whole is an awful lot has happened, uh, in between and before her actually showing up. You know, like it's kind of interesting because on the one hand, the first movie is not an origin story, but her origin is really interesting. You know, like I would have liked to have seen her as an Air Force cadet. I would have liked to have seen her in a family where she is. The runt of the litter, those kinds of things. I certainly would have loved to have seen her as a as a test pilot with Maria. Um, and then after that movie, we know like she takes off with the Skrulls, and we know that she's not gonna show up again for 25 years because we've watched several movies and she's not around. If we were to redo the whole Marvel universe, that is something that may have been changed. You're right, in terms of in the on screen legacy of Carol Danvers, we've told more than we've shown. You want to gush about Iman, so why don't we spin I know, to Iman? I love her
0: so much. Her little Iman Canadian Valani, Miss Marvel heroes. herself. Yeah. <laughs> what did we think of Iman in this movie? I think she really found her footing in this movie. Like, Miss Marvel is great, but I loved watching her come um, kind of face to face with everything that she loves and admires in the world. I mean, they, they say, don't meet your heroes, but she gets mm-hmm. a chance to meet her heroes and then be a hero with them. And at the same time, like in real life, her story's like kind of not that different. She was a comic book nerd that like really loved, uh, you know, Marvel comics, specifically Iron Man, actually. But, you know, I've, I've seen her like telling the story about being cast where she handed Kevin Feige a list of like 70 questions about the Marvel universe that she had when she was getting cast. And, um, you know, she's, she's a fangirl at the end of it. So it's kind of really cool to watch her get to be this fangirl on screen and watch it all kind of come together. And she's, she's just really a bright light. I think in this, franchise now and if you want to if you want to move forward and make something you know fun that people are interested in i think i think she's gonna need to be at the center of it
1: both the performance the casting and the way her character folds into this um is just delightful on all levels like it could Mm -hmm. have seemed like a bit of a cop-out not to give a superhero like Carol, a second standalone movie of her own. It's like, we're not going to give you part two. We're going to put you on a team and we're going to bring, uh, you know, we're going to bring Photon and Miss Marvel into this. Um, uh, Monica and Miss <laughs> Marvel yeah. into this. Uh, sorry, folks. I, I pardon, pardon my geekery. I'm no. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm really trying to keep it in check. Um, what I love so much about it, along with Iman's just pure, unabashed fangirling. Um, If anybody listening wants to get an idea of what my office looks like, take a look at Kamala's bedroom. And it's really not that far (laughs) off. Um, I don't know if I should be proud of that or not, but it's pretty true. Um, But what I loved about the character and the way that she factors into everything is Kamala is a character that is so very, very, very much about family. Um, you know, it's a it's a universe of orphans. You know, it's a universe of loners and misfit toys and bastards and broken things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when characters then enter into it that have a genuine familial streak, you get something different. And I'm thinking, as a for instance, of Monica saying to the two of them that her mother died during the blip and she wasn't there. Kamala doesn't really know her at that point, but without even a second's hesitation, she just goes in and hugs her, you know, and she kind of has to, it's kind of cute because she kind of has to wave Carol in to get in mm-hmm. on it with her. But it's like Kamala, even though Kamala is, is often having friction with her mother, because her mother is a little bit overbearing um, in Kamala's estimation. She values family. She values her mother. She values her father. She values her brother. So the idea that her mother would have died while she wasn't there and then she would have come back to her being gone. Kamala just instantly processes that one and gathers her in. And it's a beautiful counterweight to all of that fangirl girlry that I loved so, so very much that she just like wrapped mm-hmm. her up. You yeah. know, and a I, kid. I- let's let's like, let's be honest, like a kid. Yeah, she had that maturity to her that's like, you lost your mom and you weren't there. That's terrible.
0: The fact that they brought her family from the TV show into the film as well was also equally delightful. And they, you know, Kamala and her mom share like a really touching moment that actually made me like a little teary like (laughs) in the film. Which Which moment are we talking? Uh, So I guess kind of closer to the end where she when she has to go and her mom has to go in a separate Direction and her mom was like, "You have to go. You have to go save the world," kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. they just share this like look between the two of them, and it was just actually really, really sweet. Especially after, if you have watched the show and you know that, you know, her mom can be like quite, you know, as you said, like a bit overbearing and in uh, her daughter's estimation. And her mom's giving her all of a sudden this freedom, like knows Mm -hmm. what she is and knows, you know, all the things that she can do, and just actually gives her that you know a little bit of space and a little bit of freedom to discover that you know we're only going to see bigger and better things from her and her character like she um they've they've certainly left it open for her to kind of pave pave some ways so
1: yeah yeah um that's that's for sure and i'm, I'm really really looking forward to just Everything that, that Kamala happens to be in and that Iman Valani happens to be in. Um, I mean, I, I even just want to watch Iman Valani in other things. I, I'm really yes. happy to be introduced to her uh, as an actor. Um, the director of this movie nia da costa she's probably most readily known for her version of candy man that dropped a few years ago which you did not see because you're it's far I too did scary see it
0: actually oh, you I did? did wow i, did see it. I know man I know. look
1: at you i watched it during um, the day
0: with the lights on um, oh, of course you
1: did and then immediately um,
0: tried to wipe it from my brain not because <laughs> it was bad but because
1: because it gave it me the heebie-jeebies right yes gotcha <laughs> <laughs> um, she also directed a lovely little movie called Little Woods. Um, Nia costa you know, new to the MCU. I don't know how much longer she's going to stick around. You know, some of these directors stay for a while. Some of them just do one and move on. Uh, how'd you, you know, did, did you see like there's there's a lot of talk in these movies about how the director is really just a hired gun and it's all kind of Kevin Feige's baby. Did you see any of Nia costa in this movie or went in terms of anything that went on?
0: I mean, I don't know, having only really seen one of her films, whether I have like a strict sense on what her like distinct voice is, but I understand it would be it. it must be hard and difficult to kind of come mm-hmm. into a known entity and try and put a stamp on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it certainly is wildly different from <laughs> the dark and dismal Candyman, yeah. um, even though she got to reunite with uh, Tariana Paris uh, for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, film, who is also wildly different in this movie, um, but yeah. I like that she kept this like airy, and I like obviously like the performances from the leads were amazing. So she definitely teased a really good amount of chemistry out of them. Um, yeah, and there were some really nice cinematic moments, like in the the singing world. I don't know the name of it. I know you do. That were like beautifully done, and some of the fight sequences were. Like, wonderfully shot, especially when you have, like, three people, like, you know, flitting in and out of different places and doing different things. I thought the cohesiveness of that was really great. Whether or not that was her or not, I don't know, because I don't don't know enough about, you know, her voice. But I hope that we get to see more of her so that Mm -hmm. I can know it.
1: The planet you're going for is Aladna, by the way. It's an entire planet where everybody speaks in song, and not only do they speak, but there are elaborate song and dance numbers. Mm-hmm. We learned that Carol was there for a while and got herself into a marriage of convenience to help the prince, who happens to be bilingual, so he can just speak. Um, <laughs> I, you know, like, She has a cool
0: Captain in- Marvel dress. Can we just do a shout-out to whatever <laughs> costume designer it was that made that really
1: cool dress. I can see that thing turning up at fan expo next year real fast. 100%. Um, I think I, I said to you while we were watching, I was like, do you have your wedding dress yet? <laughs> um, I think where, where I saw, where I saw Nia da Costa was definitely in the, definitely in the fluidity of the movie. Like I really believe that if a person doesn't have a very, very firm hand on the wheel, then those sequences where they're blipping in and out of each other's space is just going to turn into chaos and it's early on it's mm. actually really quite well handled by the time they get to the end they're like they're they're fighting like water by the time you know after after they kind of have that intergalactic moment and they get a chance to understand each other's rhythms they really take to being able to pick up where each other's moves are and, Mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, finish, finish the check to, to steal a hockey term where I saw Nia DaCosta was in the way that Kamala, Monica, and Carol talk to each other when it's the three of them, it felt a lot more like that was four women in a room, you know, saying, okay, like, all right, here's where we got to hit. You wouldn't say this to her, you know. Like I think about, I, I probably should have made this another side. But after several years now of watching all kinds of films that are directed by women, I go back to something that is, in all respects, feminist. Like um, the First Wives Club, mm. and I listen to how they're talking to each other, and I'm like, this doesn't sound right. This sounds like a dude wrote this and a dude <laughs> directed this and is getting them to talk because this is not. I am not this is not my reality but what I have seen this does not add up. When I watch something like the Marvels or when you know even just to keep it within universe when I watch something like the Marvels or I watch Black Widow or I watch the Eternals and I watch the way the women talk to each other or I watch the first Captain Marvel and I listen to the way that the women talk to each other I'm like this feels like what I expect happens when I am not in the room because I'm <laughs> smart enough to know that when there's no dudes in the room, there's a difference. You know, I don't know what the difference... I can't say what the difference is. And I don't want to ask because it's none of my business. But I know that there's just... There's a change when you take away the testosterone. Yeah? Uh,
0: yeah. And I feel like that's also felt like in the writing too, right? Which I know that right. like she was also one of the writers.
1: Yeah. She was also one of the writers and two and to other. That's where I see her.
0: You mm-hmm. know, uh, You
1: know, things like Kamala going in for the hug. Things like... Monica's talking about how that's not how family works and Carol talking about how she really wanted to make up for the mess that she'd made before she tried to come back. Those moments are where I see Nia DaCosta and was really enamored with her storytelling.
0: You know, there's, there was a moment actually early in the film when Carol um, in her Captain Marvel suit gets up out of a chair and there's a little bit of a like, shot of her butt as she gets up and i was like oh if if a guy directed this it would be like 20 seconds on her we
1: would linger yeah, butt.
0: just like <laughs> and it never does it just means and what caught me off guard was that i was expecting it to linger there i was expecting it so much because i'm just so used to that gaze right so mm-hmm. not having that is almost surprising to me which is sad Um. But that is what I appreciate, and again, like I, I don't know enough about her as a filmmaker to appreciate her uniqueness. Um, and I, I hope that comes to play. But just from a, a female director perspective and writer, yes, there's definitely like massive changes that happen um, in these films that make them more enjoyable and accessible to, film, yeah, I think,
1: but for yeah, like, audiences I- in general yeah i can't i cannot wait to see more from from whatever she does whether she never makes another big movie again she just goes back to making things like little woods or she makes you know genre films i mean like i prefer Candyman. she doesn't
0: make more candy man because i would like <laughs> to watch her next film without being terrified but uh <laughs> i'll appreciate that film for what it was
1: <laughs> gotcha
0: but we didn't talk about the Flurkins, so like we did not talk there, about the flirt there are a lot of cats they're not cats, but there are a lot of cat actors, some of which are CGI cat actors, some of which are real cat and kitten actors. So, if you are a cat lover, that is a reason why you should go see this movie because they actually play an integral role. Um, <laughs> to do this. so um,
1: Hillary can attest, I was laughing so hard, I actually had to take my 3D glasses off <laughs> and wipe my eyes because at one stage of the movie, so. You know, we, we we watched we all watched the last movie. We know what Goose can do. That Goose is not a cat. That Goose is a Flurkin, which is a an alien species that looks like a cat that has a lot of space within its little fuzzy body mm-hmm. um, and can become aggressive if it needs to, or just make use of the the you know the inside of it being bigger than the outside. If it has to, so we first we we, we use this in two ways. First, uh, we learn that Goose is not a good boy. Goose is a good girl, mm-hmm. uh, or I mean, Goose Goose is actually probably Goose is a because it's a flirkin. It's probably an asexual. We don't really entity. know. Yes, yeah, because yeah. there's no other there's no other flirkin around. So no. so Goose oh, is sure. probably yeah is is something other. It is not a good boy or a good girl. Goose is just a good goose, and Goose. I'm laughing just talking about this. Goose has a Tribbles moment yes. on this space station. The total that keeps,
0: Star Trek, that, like, that keeps,
1: yeah. And first of all, just lays eggs all over the damn thing and fills it with a massive litter of baby flirking. By the way, folks, that is in the comics. And um, they're so cute. They are. <laughs> the one thing I was a little bit disappointed in is that in the comics, it's Rocket Raccoon that. A is the one who outs Goose as a Flurkin, and B has to deal with the spawn of Flurkin. And it's if you can imagine Rocket Raccoon having those moments, it's a lot funnier than a Skrull bringing it up or just happening on its own. That's fair. And then, so so first of all, we just have to deal with the eggs and then the massive litter of baby Flurkin. But then, where the movie really shines is the space station needs to be evacuated and they come up with the bright idea to let the baby Flurkin basically eat the crew and fit the Flurkin into the escape pods. Cause they don't know. It's like Titanic. They don't, they don't have, have enough, enough light space.
0: Bones. Yep.
1: Yeah. So first they're having the kittens eat the crew and then they're trying to herd the kittens into the space pods. And it's absolutely every bit as absurd as it sounds. It's also hysterical.
0: It's hysterical and actually makes sense. <laughs> it's it's mm-hmm. a lot easier to put a bunch of kittens in the space That is
1: a very, yeah, that is a very Unless the long walk.
0: Spinning out of control and then the kittens start puking, but that's a whole different, like, spoiler. So I'm just, yeah. gonna, say. just um, gonna say that part is delightful. And uh, yeah, if you're a cat lover,
1: that was worth the whole that. price of admission. Right there. Like I, I will rewatch Absolutely. any uh, I will, I can promise you I'm going to be rewatching that sequence over and over in time.
0: Oh yeah. Like yeah. I, I will go back to the theater to watch it at least one more time. And then I will be rewatching that on. Yeah. We um, got it.
1: <laughs> so you mentioned earlier on, there are flaws within this movie. What did like, what were some of the flaws that you found with the marbles?
0: <laughs> okay. So in the film, and again, the talking spoilers, but in the film, um, Darben's character has is is after uh, Kamala's Bangle, because it's a second mm-hmm. bangle. And mm-hmm. then at the end, um and uh, t- I'll talk about Darben in a second, but in the end, um Carol retrieves the two bangles, and then the two bangles are mysteriously not there at the end of the movie. Kamala still is only wearing her one. We have no idea where the second bangle went, and I need some closure on this fact that it was just like randomly it just disappeared. Of- Okay. Right? And, um, and that, I, mean, I, that's... I don't like this little pothole that they've just left uh hanging. I don't know whether they left it hanging for a good reason, um, or whether they were just kind of like forgot to put the other one back on Kamala's arm. I don't know.
1: True. <laughs> um yeah, no, I mean that that is a good they they are usually really good at um stating that something of power is out there in the world. So whether it's, you know, like they spent twenty movies shuttling infinity stones around you know pillar to post like they always wanted you to know this weapon is out there and can be harnessed at any time Mm -hmm. so you're right the fact that at the end of it all Kamala doesn't have two on her is is interesting because we would then expect that that second one is somewhere, whether that second one is yeah. with shield or with sword or with carol herself um or or just in Kamala's possession but not on her person um that that that's I think that is something that's important to know
0: yeah it was it was one of those little holes where at the end I was like, but wait." <laughs> Show me, show me the end credit scene that has the bangle in it. I was like literally waiting, like for the other one to show up, and then it just never did. And that's like, yeah. just a little plot hole that's just weird for Marvel because they love to tie things up in like little bows, or at least like you know get you going on the pathway to like, oh yeah, that's still out right there. Don't forget about it, like because it's going to show up somewhere yeah. else. Zoe Ashton's villain was just boring, like, and I, again, like I, I feel like she was just flat. She didn't feel. Threatening in the end, she defeated herself, and the heroes didn't even really have to do anything. (laughs) I mean that that
1: happens a lot. It's that this is true. This this is one thing that I'm I'm a little bit um a little bit perplexed with. Is on paper, Darben actually has a lot to be grumpy about. (laughs) Carol created a power vacuum in her home world and then took off. Right, like Darben by rights has like that's that's what usually makes for a really good villain. Is at the end of the day, you realize they're right. You know, like you realize that Thanos is actually on to something, and if there were less of us, we probably could survive. It's, you know, insane, but it's not wrong. Darben is also not wrong. You know, Carol came in, did not like the power structure, and rather than properly changing the power structure, she just destroyed it. And in destroying the power structure, she did destroy the whole planet. So Darben is now, you know really angry with this that she has had to spend 30 years of her life cleaning up carol's mess but we don't Mm -hmm. really get into that you know we they for all as much as i was talking about how much i loved that monica and kamala and carol have multiple conversations about important things darben and them never have a conversation you know, mm. about, about anything. And, and I love that in movies sometimes when the hero and the villain have a face-to-face and they talk about what they're about to do. I think about it like in Heat, you know, how in mm. Heat you've got, you've got De Niro and Pacino at that table in the middle of the movie saying, well, I'm going to go try and take down this money and I know you're going to stop me. And, 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 you know, that kind of thing. Love it. But we don't get it here, even though that could have made for a really interesting conversation.
0: I thought we were going to get that actually close to, close to the ends. Like when they have their fight sequence, Carol comes in and it's just her and Darben. And I was like, Oh, here's their big, like, you know, moment where they're going to like, you know, have a good old chat. And it just kind of like fell a bit flat and it it, her, you know, eventual demise just felt a little anticlimactic because it fell outside of their big melee, I guess.
1: It did, but I mean, I think the the you know what they what they did with that was they they then yielded the stage for uh, Monica to have her big moment, to have her higher, further, faster moment, yeah, and be the hero that her mom never got to be, to get a real glimmer of what her surrogate aunt gets to be on the daily. Um, and, kind and how, you know, kind of bring to fruition what she's been building up to over the last few years and what she saw in her aunt as a young girl, both, you know, just both in terms of idolizing her the way that a kid does, um, for, you know, her mom's friend who can fly mm-hmm. and then who shows up and can literally fly, um, I th- I thought that that was a neat payoff for, for Teona Paris to have sure. that moment Um, to, to, you know, every little girl flies is one of the trademark phrases from Captain Marvel is that if you've ever watched a little girl trip in that second before she falls, it seems like gravity hasn't caught her yet. And in that moment, every little girl flies having Monica at the end of this movie, be the every little girl flies moment. You know, and it's and it's a girl who's lost her mom, who thought she lost her aunt, who had to go through this, you know, bullshit moment of spelling out to the grown-up in the room the way that family works. I I did like I did like that. So in a way, I'm kinda happy we got Darvan out of the way for that. <laughs> but considering that this movie is short, and considering that a lot of these movies will spend twenty-five to forty-five minutes on a battle of this magnitude yeah, that did feel a little bit brisk.
0: Yes. It was just a bit truncated for my liking. Yeah. And that's not to take away from Monica's moment because it was yeah. great. Although I could have dealt with more Monica, to be honest, like show me Monica, the scientist. We get a lot of like the leftovers of, you know, people, you know, collecting her things and like showing her lab and all that sort of stuff. But, and I love that. Like, show more women in STEM. So like, give me her, (laughs) you know, being that, um, you know, which, which I think is cool.
1: As somebody who reads the books, this is the kind of thing that you get in the books. Like you get a lot more of the conversations, you get a lot more of two people running the math, that kind of thing. Like you, you get characters like Monica and Kamala, working out a problem because you know, Kamala herself is a really good scientist. She's obviously yeah. not an astrophysicist <laughs> the way that Monica is, but um yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the thing is this movie is this movie leaves you wanting more and it's, it's both a blessing and a curse, right? Because yeah. these films do often suffer from bloat. You know, a lot of them are two hours and 10, two hours and 32 hours and 45 minutes um and there's there's times where it's like you know I kind of want to just get in get out do this thing and still have these moments so i i see what you're saying like it's not it's it's not fair that i get those kind of moments cuz i read the books but even though we're doing tv shows we still can't seem to find ways to get these moments like the last thing i want to bring up about this movie is um it's been accused of getting into a whole lot of world-building mumbo jumbo. Like, I, I I actually saw the word unintelligible used to describe this movie, and I find that really perplexing. Like, the one thing I gotta say about this movie is, even if the plot strikes you as weird, that this one soldier wants to destroy other planets to make her planet live. All right, yeah, that that's weird. In comparison to some of the other films that we've seen that are really just seem like they're setting up other movies, it really doesn't seem to be pulling in from all directions. I mean, we you know we get a one quick cameo for Valkyrie to get the Skrulls out of the way, Mm -hmm. and you know we we do all the rest of the callbacks are to these three women. Did you find that it was that it got you know bogged down in MCU bullshit?
0: In fact, I thought that it was very much like not a part of a lot of the MCU stuff that we've like seen till now. Um, so I didn't find it was bogged down. I did find it was a little bit bogged down in flashbacks and and I, I understand why they had to do it because they have to make things cohesive for people that haven't seen everything, (laughs) but that was a little bit of a waste of time from my perspective for some of those things. Oh, it's
1: funny. That was actually, that was, that was the part I loved. Actually, when they, when they were going, when they had that little, when they were using that scroll memory picker thing?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that was okay. Or are you that's talking good.
1: about, are you talking about flashbacks through like Darven's eyes?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, uh, okay. So I, I felt like there was a, a few too many of, of those for my liking, but okay. no, I don't feel like it was like, I don't feel like it was bogged down. I feel like there's a lot of comic book lore and stuff out there that people don't recognized as part of the MCU quite <laughs> yet. So um so yeah, I, I don't feel like it like, got overly bogged down.
1: The one thing I didn't understand, because those were the kinds of things I was reading about it going into the movie is that funny, Iman is fantastic, but it spends too much time doing MCU world building. And I'm like, I did not I felt like there was way more world building in like Iron Man two
0: 100%. than there was in this. I you know I agree. Yes. This, I, I don't this, feel like it was a huge, I think as you, as you you know, said earlier, it's not trying to build some routes. This is, this is just the marvels and it's like not really contributing to the grand scheme of where things seem to be going in the MCU as far as, you know, Kang and all of that stuff.
1: Well, I mean, it, will, it does, it does set up one thing. Sure. Um, quite clearly. Like it was out to, it was out to build one little bridge, but that's a very quick. That's a very quick thing that's going to be, yeah. you know,
0: and coming into the fray later. Yeah, and it wasn't really part of the like.
1: It didn't belabor day. the points.
0: No, not at all. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I, I, I that's a, I guess, an odd criticism.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> we are not going to rate this movie because we're both just far too in the tank for this character to give an objective <laughs> rating. Um, you know, I think we could probably both safely say that. Uh, We would rather you watch the first film instead of this one, although this one does do a lot of really fun things. But just as a movie, the first one is a better story. Um, But we will Mm -hmm. do The Souvenir, something tangible or intangible. If you could take away from this movie and keep, you would. What about The Souvenir. uh, See, you know, you were just like, save yourself an email. Just give me the questions. Here we go. Something tangible or intangible from the Marvels. Hillary Butler, what are you keeping from this
0: movie? It. And I am ninety-nine point nine percent sure I said I would take goose the last time we did. Like, I can't. Remember. I'm
1: taking.
0: I'm taking Captain Marvel's dress, or sorry, Princess Carol's dress.
1: <laughs> it's, a good looking dress. dress. It's, it's a,
0: a really good-looking dress. It's a really good-looking dress. Yeah, I do think they're coming out with a Funko Pop of that. Uh, I'm uh, quite
1: sure of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, I yeah, I'm taking the dress. Yeah, gotcha. I, just, I, I, okay. just, I want it. Yeah. Nice. Nothing.
1: Um, nothing well, beats a nice a line. <laughs> no, this is true. Um, well, my my souvenir from this movie is I want to train my Flurkin to make coffee.
0: Oh, fair.
1: You know yeah. it's it's it, it's it's one of those great little one of those great little moments that I love at the beginning of the movie. How she basically figures out that if I like point the laser pointer at the switch, I get the Flurkin to turn the coffee pot on.
0: I mean, I feel like Lord Baelish has his uh, days cut out for him now. He's just going to have to start training with the laser pointer. He is let him asleep know. on
1: the couch as we speak. Like he looks like he has just ran a marathon
0: he better and all training. he has
1: done all day is sleep. I have no idea how I could ever, t- first of all, I have no idea how I could ever train him to do anything, let alone, <laughs> you know, like at least Carol's coffee pot is just a switch. He would have to like, fold a filter. So he's, he ain't doing that, <laughs> but um, I would love to train a Flerken to make me coffee. Um, there we go. That's the Marvels. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's in theaters now. It's, you know, it'll be on Disney plus in a few months. Um, give it a watch. It's a lot of fun. And just, you know, if nothing else, just to watch um, Brie, Teyona and Iman hang out, make jokes, yeah. skip double dutch, juggle. It's so much fun. Um, they get, they get to be just so much more chill. Um, and and even and as I said, have these really um, nuanced conversations, brief as they may be. They're there. They're really well fleshed out, and um, it's something to watch. Um, maybe you love this movie. Maybe you hate this movie. Let me know what you think. I, I do genuinely want to know what you think of this movie. I'm not gonna argue you and say that you're wrong because I love it. If you don't like it, might. Ryan of Matinee <laughs> That's <I laughs> my point. Thanks. Thanks so much. Yeah glad to know you've got my back ryan at the matinee.ca on twitter i'm matinee underscore ca facebook.com slash dark matinee what did you think of the marvels we are going to take a very quick break and come back with the other side right after this
0: all memory all alone in the
1: moonlight i can dream of the old days life was beautiful i remember the time i knew what happiness was
0: let the memory live again.
1: we're back it's matinee cast 315 we've been uh gushing somewhat over the marvels uh i think I think we've been appropriately gushing. I don't it's think fair we've gushing. been. gushing.
0: We didn't say yeah. it was perfect. You know, no. It's, yeah, it's exactly. Not a free for all here, there come we on. Go. We have standards. Jeez
1: exactly she is hillary butler i'm ryan mcneil um this is the other side it's the point in the podcast where we talk about other stories that are associated with the main story in some way shape or form that you could go on to either you know instead of the marvels maybe or uh, after the marvels um hillary why don't you get us started what was one of the films that you thought about going on to after uh, after the superheroes
0: so uh i would go with another kind of like franchisee type movie that. uh Features women that whiny men of the internet love to hate, and that is 2016's Ghostbusters with
1: Melissa McCarthy,
0: way Kate McKinnon and Leslie Jones, because you know it's it also has this wonderful like camaraderie and comedy and good chemistry between the characters, and it just made me happy and laugh. And I mean, Chris Hemsworth's also in it, which is a good little MCU link, but. And he's quite funny in most of the scenes, but uh, yeah, I feel like it was severely underrated. Also opened out almost exactly the same number at the box office as the Marvels did funny that. So
1: <laughs> go figure. I, yeah. I enjoyed the shit out of that movie. Yeah. Um, I love when a lot of those women get together and, and work, um, you know, Leslie Jones, Kate McKinnon, um, Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig is. Kristen Wiig can do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I went on uh, my friend JD's SNL Hall of Fame podcast and did a whole episode where I thought that Kristen Wiig does, belongs in the Saturday Night Live Hall of Fame because of everything she, <laughs> that she does, and it's because she's so good not only at being wacky, but how she also sells a lot of those heavier moments like there. I mean, you know, they, they, that's another movie where they have a moment of, you know, we had this thing in our history and we never really talked about it. So we're going to talk about it. And even mm-hmm. though this is not really the time to talk about it, because the city is coming apart at the scenes, there's yeah. another movie where there's a rift opening up between space and time. Um, you know, we're going to <laughs> yeah, we're, we're do that because we're grown ups and that's what grown ups do um yeah i haven't watched that in a minute uh but i have watched it several times since it came out um really underrated movie very funny a uh, really well done um I, I i really do wish that they'd stuck with that those ghostbuster stories instead of quote giving it back to the fans to yeah. quote jason reitman who
0: is dead to me now um, i mean i feel like a lot of so look yeah there's a lot of hate on the internet for many of these movies, probably the next one I'll talk about uh, as well. But uh, there's, there's actually like quite a big following for this film The people who loved Mm -hmm. it, that like really wish that, you know, they'd been able to see this group get together again and tell more stories. And I, yeah, I'm definitely one of them. And,
1: yeah it was sad. a lot of it was a lot of fun <laughs> we did we did a we did a podcast episode about that movie um i'll link that in the show notes if anybody wants to listen to us go on about ghostbusters uh for for a while it was it it's yeah i i'm i'm always sad that that movie was dealt the hand that it was dealt because men suck um on mm-hmm. my for i'll 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 pick up where where you were going there um i wanted i wanted a movie where there's, you know, a problem and the women got to get together to, to fix their own, fix their own problem and take the bull by the horns. But I went back, actually, I think it's around the same time, actually. It's not quite the same year, but it's, it's not far off. Um, I went back to Hustlers. <laughs>
0: okay. Yep. The you one know,
1: I, didn't, yeah. I
0: didn't get to see that at TIFF because the air conditioning broke in the, uh, uh, theater.
1: Oh, I was one that. Love that movie so 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 much. Lauren Scafaria directed mm-hmm. that movie. Um, Constance Wu, Jennifer Lopez, Julia Stiles, Lily Reinhart, Kiki Palmer, Lizzo, Cardi B. It goes on and yeah. on and on. And and, it's, and 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 yeah, and and and. It's so cool. It's so smart. It's so sexy. Um, in a in a perfect world, this would be like a neo classic. You know, it's got. Calls for everything from widows, which I think again was around the same year, to Goodfellas. We have this problem in our lives. We've got this shortcoming that the world has dealt us. We are gonna fix it. We are gonna just, you know, yeah, the the, the this problem exists and this world is collapsing. We're gonna have a quick conversation about why this is happening, and then we're gonna get to business. Um, Love it, love it so much. It's I think it's a really underrated movie. Um, you dig it too, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. I love that movie, and I had not seen Julia Stiles in anything for a hot minute before that uh, that film came out, and I was so excited to see her because I was such a massive fan of hers. Well, and still a massive fan of hers, but you know, from back in those like late '90s, early 2000s, like I was like fully on Team Julia Stiles, everything. So I was mm-hmm. so excited mm-hmm. to see her back. On the big screen and a, you know, pretty big profile film. So I mean,
1: one of the things I love about that movie is I do remember at the time there was kind of one of the things that was brought up is when Destiny, the Constance Wu character, um, goes up onto the roof. And that's the first time she really has a conversation with Jennifer Lopez's character, Ramona. And Ramona's like, it's freezing up here. Come on in, like cuddle up in my coat. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, that seems Like who does that? I'm like a woman who sees another woman shivering in the cold. Does that?
0: It's like normal.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like you're, you're not, you're not going to be like, Hey, you should go back inside and get a scarf. You know, you're going to be like, I've got a huge coat here that could probably fit like five of you. Come closer, sit with me. It's fine. Let's talk. You know, no stuff like that. Love it. Love it so much. Uh, you got another one. Where are you going next?
0: (laughs) Okay. So bear with me. Um, okay. Um, I'm going to Promising Young Woman. Why, you ask? Yes, I do. (laughs) Because I feel like that film is a lot about balancing forgiveness and vengeance. And I feel like Carol had to do a lot of that. Interesting. um, In the flashbacks. (laughs) And then in this film. Um, So as we see her earn her new title of the Annihilator um, of... Paula, that she's kind of gone back to with a lot of anger in her heart because she, you know, as I like, got gaslit for many years and doesn't agree with that power structure. And so uh, when you look at Carrie Mulligan's character and Promising Young Woman, she's also plagued by acts that have happened in her past and she has to decide whether to forgive these people or whether to act, you know, in vengeance for, you know, her friends and, and herself. So I feel like there's thematic, you know, similarities between what Carol and Cassie kind of go through. Albeit ends in very different ways. Oh shit. <laughs> but, um, but, and I also just love Promising young Woman. Also, it's another film that wine and man babies of the internet love to hate. So I'm just gonna put it out there as something that's uh you know.
1: They do? Much. Why?
0: Oh, the whole like people saying, oh, it's all anti-man and it's like too, yeah,
1: no. It's
0: men like, it, yeah. Yeah, that's, i just, mean
1: not 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 at all like i mean it's 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 weird that that's what somebody would think because you yes, know that's like, what
0: these guys are oh no i you know who i know you hate on ghostbusters like they're all in the same ilk right we just yeah you know strong yeah. female characters are not you know are anti-men they're not strong female characters <laughs> so.
1: i you know i think what i love about this movie um Oscar-winning movie. It's it's kind of it's it's mm-hmm. very cool to say uh, you know Oscar-winning movie, uh, promising young woman. Um, I remember that was actually one of the things I was really curious about in the early months of the pandemic. Was are we ever going to get to see promising young woman? Because it was supposed to come out like a month after we all went home, and mm-hmm. then it was like, well, we don't know when anything is going to be seen by anybody. So good luck.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but we did get to see it before the year was over. I remember how it was sold as. This really cold-blooded revenge movie mm-hmm. you know like even in the even in the imagery of it, certainly in the trailer for it, it was Cassie is gonna go and just absolutely shred these people. And don't get me wrong, like Cassie is able to get one over on pretty much everybody in this movie who deserves it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is so much tenderness. Um, and empathy that the movie brings to a lot of these very, very, very difficult and very heavy conversations. Um, that it's, it's, it really is something special to sit with. So, anybody who wants to smear it because, you know, it's a so called man hating movie, first of all, it's not. Second of all, you're lesser for it because it's a fantastic film.
0: Yeah, I just I felt like there was actually like a, a weird kind of parallel between yeah Carol and Cassie.
1: Yeah, we're certainly not going to have time to really get into everything that Carol has been up to in this cinematic universe, which is a shame because it really seems like she got into some very heavy, violent, um, you know, impulsive. Things mm-hmm. along the way, not even counting everything that happened before she had that encounter with the um,
0: yeah.
1: with the with the Cree in the first place. Well, my other uh, selection for the other side is something very, very different—a um, movie I've been thinking about a lot over the last two years, actually, and it's a movie that flies under a lot of radars. Have you ever seen a movie from 2005? Directed
0: by Liev, going all the way back to 2005. My brain doesn't work that well. Yep.
1: Um, Directed by Liev Schreiber, called "Everything Is Illuminated," starring Elijah Wood.
0: I haven't seen it. I know of it, but I haven't seen
1: it. Okay. So this film these days is really, really poignant, and I'll explain why in a second. But I wanted a movie. One of the core lessons to the movie "Everything Is Illuminated" is the line. Everything is illuminated in the light of the past. And I really felt that um, for, for the Marvels. I really felt that Carol's whole burden and Carol's whole uh, fissure with her family is all about her carrying this past. And if you understand where she's come from, then so much more about what she's doing makes sense. Even if it's not right? it at least makes sense. Everything that's illuminated is a different glimpse into the past and how it informs our present. It's a story about this character named Jonathan, um, who's a young Jewish-American boy, who goes on a quest to Ukraine to learn about his family. Um, He is known as the collector because he he basically keeps all these little interesting odds and ends that he finds, everything from – photographs to jewelry to you know retainers to potatoes. His family has a bit of a gap in its history, as a lot of Jewish American families do. And his seems to lead back to this area of Ukraine that was turned inside out during World War II. And he wants to find out what the truth is. Um his guide when he gets to Ukraine is a guy named Eugene Hutz. Do you know who Eugene Hutz is? Mm-mm. Okay. Eugene Hutz is the lead singer of a band called Gogol Bordello, who, if you imagine jamming a Ukrainian folk band together with the Ramones, oh. that's yeah, as one does. Yeah. That's what you get. Um, this movie is hilarious. It's so sweet. It's so touching, really, really vibrant. Um, Ukrainian story um, that's gorgeous and short, sweet, to the point. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking about stories where the past informs the present. Um, mm. And I really wanted to go back to Everything is Illuminated because it's one of those movies that I adore. That would probably be my answer to what is the movie that you love that nobody else has heard of? Everything is Illuminated <laughs> is a movie I love so much. Um, especially for Eugene Hutz, because I can hear his ner- narrator voice in my head right now. And I don't even want to spoil it because it's just so much fun. Um, but that's a movie that I thought would make a good double feature with the Marvels.
0: Right. got to add it to the list. Cause yeah, I've, I've heard of it, but I've just, yeah. yeah. Never seen it.
1: Let me know how it goes. All right. You got one more to close this out. What do you got?
0: All right, well, I asked you about this film last night because I thought I brought it up during Captain Marvel, but I just want to mention Unicorn Store because this is (laughs) Brie Larson's directorial debut that we actually saw uh, in 2019 at the Toronto Film Festival. Um, And it also has Samuel L. Jackson in it, so you get a little bit more of their uh, cutesy little back-and-forth demeanor. They really do have good on-screen chemistry. And I mean, Sam Jackson wears a lot of glitter in this film and he pulls it off. So um, this film is like a very whimsical tale. So it's, it's certainly not for everybody. But uh, I felt like there was a lot of um, art and, uh, in this film. And basically it just centers around Brie Larson's character who is like an artist but got kicked out of art school because there's just perceived lack of talent and probably too much glitter. Again, there's a lot of glitter. Have I mentioned glitter? There's
1: a lot of glitter in this movie. There's a
0: lot of glitter. Um, And, uh, you know, she ends up getting delivered a letter from um, this place called the store. Um, And Sam Jackson plays the salesman who basically says like, something good will come like that. You have really wanted for the rest of your life. Spoiler alert. It's a unicorn. It's called unicorn store. It's not really that much of a spoiler. Um, if you like, actually, can go through this checklist and tell me that you're ready for this, and it basically is, you know, in the end, it's kind of rediscovering your dreams. But um, Bradley Whitford and Joan Cusack play her parents as well, which is, you know, just a kind of brilliant casting. So it's a very sweet movie, but it is very whimsical, and again, not for everybody. But I appreciated that she got behind the camera and, you know, kind of took a took a leap. And I remember quite enjoying it when I was at the film festival. yeah
1: Yeah, um i mean she had done a short film before like she didn't just jump straight into uh i want to direct right she had done a short which i still haven't seen but i've always looked for it um it's a you know it's it's a sweet little story it's not going to set the world on fire or anything like that i did like how much it's had to say about how the last few generations haven't quite been ready to grow up once we're done Mm -hmm. with school, you know, our, our our parents didn't even really go to school. They just, they, they finished high school and got a job. Um, Our generation, sometimes it's like we get, you know, we, we get done with what we go to school for. And it's like, I don't really know what I'm going to do with a uh, philosophy degree, you know, like those (laughs) kinds of things to that to say something of, you finish like her character in unicorn store doesn't even really finish and just is aimless. And I think that's, that's something that I do enjoy seeing explored and Brie did that in a really sweet way. Um, It's it's, it's yeah, it's a very cute little movie. It would make, it would make a great little kind of dessert after the Marvel, which is already double desserts, you know, like nobody can go wrong with two desserts.
0: And this, and this, she has great pajamas in this movie. Like their pajamas, I still covet. To this day i like literally remember coming home and trying to find them nice and you can tell me where you found those pajamas like just shoot me a message
1: i, I kind of want to make that my mission now to find out where they are Although, <laughs> you know if, if that's what i get you for christmas you can remember this conversation <laughs> there we go that is episode 315 of the matinee cast i'm so thankful that hillary was able to stop by and join me um come on back on monday december 4th for episode 316 Uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about just yet. We might talk about Priscilla. We might talk about the holdovers. Um, Who knows? There's a lot of stuff in theaters right now. It's an embarrassment of riches. I just got to pick something and it will happen on December 4th though. That much I know for sure. Hillary writes on Live for Film and In the Seats. Uh, Do you have anything coming up um, after this episode goes up that you want to plug?
0: Oh, I wish I did. There's, you know what? There's so many things in the theater that I want to see and review and May to December is coming out. Um uh mm-hmm. showing at the like box this weekend so that's definitely on my radar as well so yeah there, there, there'll be stuff coming through um because it's just like a, a yeah between that and screeners there's just so many things to watch right now it's, gotcha we're spoilt for choice
1: i know it and if people want to follow you on social media where's the best place to follow you these days
0: oh i am on twitter at pet pill.
1: yeah not pets do chill
0: No, but if you spell it that way,
1: it'll kind of still come up. My site is thematinee.ca. For more audio content, you can find back episodes there. You can also find them on uh, the usual places, um, Apple, uh, Spotify, Google, um, and all of the other platforms. If my show is not there, let me know. I'll put it there, it's super easy give you handy ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop feedback on the marbles can be left in the comment section of the site you can email me ryan at the matinee.ca on twitter i'm still there matinee underscore ca and there's always facebook facebook.com slash dark matinee hillary any final thoughts before uh, i let you go for a few weeks
0: i think my brain's done (laughs) (laughs) my final thought is emptiness (laughs) (laughs)
1: for hillary i'm ryan we'll see you at the matinee